welcome to season three of Hashing Out the Law. I'm your host, Ayesh Shemi. In the local elections of November 2020, the incumbent district attorney of Los Angeles County was defeated by the former district attorney of San Francisco County, not Alameda County, George Gascon. In his first day in office, Gascon introduced some radical directives meant to reform LA County's criminal justice system. One of these changes was the abolishment of cash bail. This brings us to our guest this episode, Jeffrey Clayton. He's the executive director of the American Bail Coalition. Jeff is also a licensed attorney and has worked as the general counsel for the Professional Bail Agents of Colorado. Jeff explains why Gascon may want to abolish cash bail, but he doesn't have the power to do so. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hashing Out the Law. I'm your host, Arash Hashemi. On this episode, I have actually a, a guest who was on my show a couple of seasons ago, Mr. Jeffrey Clayton. Mr. Clayton is a practicing attorney. He's also the executive director of the American Bail Coalition. How are you doing, Mr. Clayton? I'm well. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on. Um, so in this last election locally in Los Angeles County, uh, we had an incumbent district attorney who was defeated by a, a, a district attorney, a previous district attorney of San Francisco uh, or Alameda County. And now he is the district attorney of Los Angeles County, Gascon. And on his first day in office, he issued some directives, uh, a, a bunch of, con- uh, some people say uh, controversial, some people say um, uh, I can't even think of the word, um, uh, liberating. Um, one of them is he wanted to eliminate cash bail, or he actually did eliminate cash bail by his executive uh, directive. However, in that same election, the people of California voted down uh, a, a law that had eliminated cash bail statewide. Um, and kept the bail system as is. So that in, in itself created a whole controversy. So I wanted to have you on because you are an expert in this uh, area. And I wanted you to talk about, can Gascon eliminate cash bail on his own? Well, thanks again for having me on. I'm not sure I'm an expert. I've just been around long enough. So I've, uh, I've, I've seen everything in motion. Can George Gascon eliminate uh, money bail? No. Uh, his deputies are officers of the court. Uh, they could make a recommendation. They could not rec- make a recommendation. And you know this as well as I do. If the, while, a, uh, while a district attorney could get a judge to indict a ham sandwich, that doesn't mean, or a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich, that doesn't mean they can get a judge to go along with their bail recommendations every time. And that certainly doesn't happen today. Defense attorneys win all the time that the bail should be lower uh, than what a prosecutor is going to ask. So I think really what he's doing is abandoning his duty under the law to consult with victims and to make a recommendation under what the law would require. And it's fine if it's zero, but it seems to me that he should be doing it in every case and not just having this policy. But the short answer is he's not going to eliminate bail in Los Angeles County because he doesn't have authority to set bail. Okay. That leads to my next question. Who has authority to set bail in, in, in California? And if he doesn't have the authority to set it, then why is he issuing this directive to his uh, deputies? 
Well, he certainly ran on the fact that he was going to eliminate it. And obviously Chase uh, up in San Francisco did a version of the same thing, although his was just blanket. We're never going to recommend a bail, but the judges, uh, you know, kept doing it anyway. So uh, why is the issue in the directive? I mean, you'd have to ask, you'd have to ask him that, like I said, I think he's running on that uh, because that's what he got elected on as being process, you know, being a progressive uh, prosecutor, but judges set bail in California. The legislature requires the judges to set a bail schedule every year in Los Angeles County, which means that before these defendants or George Gascon ever get to court, monetary bail's already been set. Numbers I've seen indicate that up to 70% of defendants who bail in Los Angeles bail on the schedule, which means that the vast majority of these cases are already gone uh, before they ever get to Gascon. Right. And I was actually going to ask you about that. I mentioned that. So each county in Los Angeles has their own bail schedule. It's actually published online. It's, it's available. And it's, it tells uh, law enforcement, if you arrest this person for this specific crime, this is the bail schedule. And people who can't afford it or, or, or get a bail agent do bail out by the time they go to court. So his, his directive is more like a show, if you think of it. Would you agree with that? I do. I, I really don't think it's going to do much other than upset people. And I don't, you know, while, again, as you just said in the introduction, voters roundly rejected the no money bail plan. They saw what was before them and they didn't like it. And the other thing that I think that we're going to find out is that this whole idea that we can slap all these conditions on defendants uh, instead of requiring them to post bail is actually worse for defendants. And if you read the policy, I mean, they can put you on house arrest drug screenings, a scram unit, take your guns, do all these things to you before they can ever require you to post bail, right? Because we go to conditions first and then bail second. And we just assume that for defendants, so being all these, on all these conditions rather than calling a bail bondsman would be least restrictive. So I think it'll have an impact uh, on you know, the way that dis, uh, prosecutors seek uh, non-monetary conditions. And I think they're going to they're gonna blanket defendants with more mon- non-monetary conditions, uh, which will set them up to fail in my view. So in your experience, when some, someone issues a directive like this, like Gascon has, and the person, let's say the person hasn't bailed out and, and they come to court and the issue of bail is brought up, what are these deputies supposed to do? Just sit there and, and not say anything? Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with this directive is I, I call it uh, tantamount to an order to shut up uh, because, you know, the judge says, uh, Mr. Defense Attorney, uh, you'll be heard on bail now. Your Honor, my client can't afford it. It should be zero. Mr. Prosecutor, Mr. Prosecutor, right? Because they can't recommend, they're not recommending that there be zero bail. They're just not recommending bail. So basically they're doing nothing. And that's basically telling his deputies, don't do your job. The policy is to, just to not do your job. And as I've told many people and you have to pardon my French is that I feel that prosecutors uh, can bring all the cases they want. They can dismiss all the cases they want. But once they bring a case, they can't be a half-assed prosecutor, right? They have to follow the law and go through the prosecution. If they don't want to do that, don't prosecute. Right. Uh, the interesting thing is um, the former uh, district attorney, not the one right preceding Gascon, but before that, Steve Cooley, is now uh, on the trail to... I don't want to say discredit Gascon, but counter Gascon's directives. And this morning, uh, they were talking about how he wants to help victims because victims have certain rights under constitutional law, uh, uh, the constitution of the California law. 
so he, he's on that mission. He's getting a lot of backlash. Do you think that, and I know you might not know the answer, but in your opinion, do you think at one point he, Gascon might back off from these directives or, or change these directives? I don't think so. Not unless somebody makes him do it. Uh, and, you know, obviously he has ethical responsibilities under the code of professional conduct. Now he runs and supervises his office and following the law and faithfulness to the law. Uh, but you bring up an important point is that can a policy that overrides a constitutional right to be heard on bail uh, that which victims have in California, can that stand? Can, and, and what happens in these meetings when a victim shows up to the prosecutor's office and says, you know, this is a heinous crime. The guy's fled nine times before. And I, I really think you should have to post some kind of a bail. And the prosecutor goes, well, too bad. Decision already made. Does that count as due process under the California Constitution? And I don't think it does. I don't think they can prejudge the cases until they come before them. And that's what George uh, Gascon has done. The other thing I'll point out is that using the crime brought by the prosecutor has little, if any, rational relationship to risk of failing to appear in court or committing a new crime. It's not the charge. It's the person. When they fail to appear nine times, it may be on a low-level case, but they're higher risk than somebody who's... Uh, charged, say, with an F2, and it's their first crime, uh, and it appears that they're, you know, ties the community and they're going to show up. So it's an arbitrary policy uh, on top of it all, and it excludes, you know, the victim's input. Right. You actually wrote an article that was in the Daily Journal, December 22nd of 2020. Um, I, I read that article, and it, it was it was very clear explaining all the process of, of how bail works, specifically as it goes to the jurisdiction where Gascon is, which is Los Angeles County. It was very interesting. Um, I have a, a question for you, and it relates back to um, the issue we talked about before, uh, and it was SB 10 and, and bail reform all across America. Uh, it's been two years since we talked. Um, some states implemented this no-cash bail system. Um, since we spoke last, at what has happened to these states that, that have invoked this no-cash bail? And is there a regression back to the way it was, or are they still uh, doing no-cash bail? Well, I think this issue has always been a problem in search of a solution, right? We, we all would say, well, there's too many people, there should be more bail, more people should be out, whether they should get out for free or have lower bails or whatever, that we would want less uh, pretrial incarceration in our system. We would want cases... Uh, to proceed faster, to reduce the amount of pretrial detention. Everybody uh, would want that. And I would say that the solution has blown up. And the solution was really SB 10. Uh, the solution was the idea that we're going to use these risk assessment algorithms. And that's going to be the driving factor uh, in terms of who gets in and who gets out. So I think there's been a regression on that, that one, that we want to use the risk assessment. And I think two, as you know, you know, this whole idea that somebody doesn't post a bond, and we call that preventative detention, we have a problem with that, but what we instead want to say is let's give the prosecutor to do it directly. In other words, we don't like this illegal backdoor, so let's create a front door of preventative detention. And if you listen to the oral argument in the Humphrey case, you would be surprised to hear Alec Karakatsinis from the Civil Rights Corps, who's adamantly against money bail, arguing that the California Constitution protects the right to bail since 1849 by sufficient sureties, and that voters on numerous occasions, including in 1992 and just recently, have, have reaffirmed their right to money bail. So that tells you that preventative detention uh, as a solution, I think, is failing as well. So, you know, like I said, everybody wants to do something about it, but I think the do something about it part uh, has, has been uh, falling apart. And I think what happened in New York is probably a pretty good example of that, which is, uh, you know, 
hey, we're just going to we're just going to eliminate bail for all these crimes and see what happens. And the results were terrible because judges didn't have discretion. Prosecutors didn't have preventative detention and, and things just got out of hand. So I wouldn't say there's a regression back to the old system. I think people are just trying to look and see what solutions we can find within the existing system uh, rather than throwing the whole thing out. You brought up New York and we talked about this last time, too. It, it, they had just implemented it when, when we spoke. Um, what has New York learned from this uh, or what has the bail industry uh, looking at New York learned from this? And, and what do you think needs to be done to, I don't want to say meet in the middle, but fix a system that some people think needs fixing? Well, I think the touchstone of it all is judicial discretion. I mean, I think, you know, and I, I probably said this on your show last time, everybody, you know, one of my favorite sayings is everybody loves judicial discretion until they lose. Um, and, it, but that's, that's really what was going on in New York is judges would otherwise do bonds in some of these cases, not all of them. They would have our people in a lot, uh, you know, of these cases. So I think that's what New York learned was that we'd need to let judges uh, do their job. What the bail uh, industry learned in New York was that it became uh, much more uh, than about us in New York. And I think that was the difference was that the actual public uh, started to get mad. They saw the impacts. They saw a bloody uh, police officer's face and the guy getting out on an OR bond. They saw anti-Semitic attacks in OR bonds and it just continued. And I think once the public and people start to realize what's happening, they will demand change on some of these things. And they ultimately Trust judges, but they want to be able to blame judges and not some uh, legislature who's nameless, faceless, who puts something in a statute book. They want to know that the judge saw the person, made a decision, and owns it. And I think that's the system we need. Okay. I, I like that explanation. It actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, let me ask you one final question. Uh, will Gascon succeed uh, in changing people's mind about bail? No. I don't think so. I think people are either entrenched as they are uh, or as they aren't. If anything, I think he's going to convince a lot of people that we need bail. He's going to convince defendants who don't want to go on home house arrest and don't want to be monitored by the very entity that's prosecuting them uh, pending trial that they want bail uh, and that victims want bail, that the, that the public trusts the balance that California's had with the bail system since 1849 and that the bail system existed prior to this generation of mass incarceration. In other words, it wasn't our fault. It was something else's fault. Uh, for this generation of mass incarceration. We only make money if people get out of jail. We'd like to make more of it so people could get out of jail. And that's, you know, the central message that we come with is, you know, we don't set bails. But um, so I think, you know, I don't think he's going to prevail. I don't think, I think if anything, he's going to convince more people uh, that he's on the wrong side, especially the way he's doing it, uh, rather than going to the legislature and being part of the process like everybody else. And you saw that today because the uh, California District Attorneys Association joined the deputy district attorney's lawsuit against George Gascon today. So that tells you where the prosecutors uh, around the state feel about what, what Gascon's doing. And, you know, you saw the prosecutor in San Diego and Sacramento said they're, no, they're no longer going to jointly uh, allow George Gascon to prosecute cases. So I think he's going to turn a lot more people off than he's going to turn a lot more people on to bail reform. Right. And, and I find it not surprising, but I find it, well, it, it's, it is surprising that his own deputies have joined forces in a lawsuit against him. Uh, it's it's unprecedented. Uh, un, I can't even think of the right word because I've never seen it before. It, it's, um, it's something that you also mentioned too, that these other district attorneys in these other jurisdictions have, have, joined forces against Gascon when it comes to this. Um, so it'll be interesting. Maybe we have you on uh, further down the road and, and, and see what happens and, and talk about that. Now, 
if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Let's go to our website, ambailcoalition.org, or send me an email, jclayton at americanbail.org. We'll be sure to include those in, the, in, in this episode's uh, description. We're also going to in, include a link to, to your uh, uh, Daily Journal article for all the listeners and the viewers. I appreciate you coming back on. It was a pleasure as always, and I wish you a happy new year. You got it. It's a pleasure to be on. Take care.